The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a 1993 episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode 746, and I'm Snow White. And this is Aaron, and dear listeners, you're listening... No, shit. I was messing with my volume, and I messed myself up, because I'm like, I can't hear things. This doesn't sound right. What am I doing wrong? And um, so now I've like totally blown the spot here already. So anyway, dear listeners, this episode is brought to you by the fine folks at True Call Coffee, T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T-Coffee.com. They also run embodiment printing. Um, check them out, right? Because it's not just some coffee conglomerate. It's not something where they just get whatever coffee and slap a label on it and sell you things. These are people that care about coffee, that care about craft. They care about the process of making things, right? Like, mm-hmm. how, like, like that handcrafted, that making that fine selection. Like, what makes this better than that? Why is this flavor reach my taste buds in a different way than this particular flavor, right? And that's what you get when you get True Call Coffee. You get metalhead coffee made for metalheads by metalheads with great graphics, great collaborations that happen from time to time. Um, and you're supporting a small family instead of a giant corporation and still getting fantastic coffee. So um, check them out today. T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T-Coffee.com. Go out there and possess yourself a cup today. Snowman, what's going on with you? Oh, well, once again, and I'd hate, I hate to sound like a tired old broken record, but once again, it's Monday. That kind of seems to be the uh, the time that's working out best for us. It's just the problem with that is, you know, Monday uh, is, the, is the tough day at work. And right now, you know, I'm pretty battered and beaten and tired and sore and hungry. And I just, uh, but you know what, dude, like when we sit down. And we do this 
and we hammer this out for all the beautiful people listening and all that once we start rocking and rolling that just all fades away so uh, yeah yeah so the therapy the therapeutic power of music don't ever let anyone tell you that it doesn't exist um before we do get on with the grunt here, as my dad would say, for for you know for true cobalt coffee in our mandatory metal segment, got a little bit of house cleaning that we're going to want to do, and some shout outs and some hellos and all that. But first and foremost, dude, I want to say uh, happy Father's Day to you. A little day uh, a day late, but I think it's. Uh, I, I still think it's it's necessary. How did your day go? It was fun, sir, and a happy Father's Day to you as well. Thank um, you. We we cooked out. We made our own hot dogs here. So, Ooh. I, I I talk about a hot dog joint that I really like uh, in town called Pumas. I think I mentioned them on the show a few times. Pumas mm-hmm. Italian Ice Shack, like they actually ship in Italian ice from New York, like authentic, real Italian ice. Some of the best Italian ice I've ever tasted. I, like I, it's this is real deal stuff, right? And then he started doing hot dogs, just kind of you know on the side, like oh let me start trying this. And he makes his own chili, and he does a chili cheese dog. He calls the Cheddar, best chili cheese hot dog I've ever had. Like, hands down, it's my favorite. Mm -hmm. And then he started doing all this other crazy stuff where, you know, he has, like, the Nutetzel where he puts Nutella and pretzels on a hot dog. Um, Their claim to fame is the unicorn where it's chili, whipped cream, and sprinkles. Ah. It's crazy. Like, I I, I look at that one, I'm like, yeah, no, I can't do it. My daughter did it, though, and um, because I told her – she wanted to get the unicorn shirt. I said, well, if you're going to get the unicorn shirt, you've at least got to try the unicorn hot dog. She's like, well, can I get it without the chili? I'm like, no. I'm like, you have to get it exactly the way that it's made. I said, after that, I don't care what you do. I said, but but if, if you want this shirt, you've got to get it exactly as is. And she did, and she loved it, and she gets it every time. Um, but since, you know, on Sundays they are typically closed, we grilled our own hot dogs and we made our own crazy hot dogs yesterday. Right on. So it was a really nice time. How about you, man? What'd you guys do? Excellent. For my Father's Day, um, just, just, just outside of Winnipeg, there's a lovely little town called Lockport, Manitoba. Lockport is infamous for its kind of hot dog stands as well um but i've never been to this at least not that i can remember 30 40 years ago okay i went once you know sorry i just i just don't recall recall doing this but yeah in lockport manitoba there's two awesome uh tiny hot dog joints called the half moon cafe or the half moon drive-in and a place called skinner's and their Skinner's is known for its hot dogs and all that. So I was actually, you know what? For Father's Day, I want to drive out to Logport and get a hot dog and all that. But, you know, at the last second, it's like, oh, actually, we got to invite my father-in-law, Mrs. Snowy's dad, because it's Father's Day. Okay. And he recommended the other restaurant. So it's like, okay, fine. You know, and the next time... We go out there. We're definitely hitting up 
the uh, Skinner. So I had a kick-ass hot dog myself. I really can't complain. The Half Moon is this 50s-style, you know, cafe, drive-in, rest, restaurant, whatever you want to call it. It's it, it It's decorated. You know, in the old-fashioned style, and it's 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 always a good time. I think, I think both of these places you would really like. Oh, I've been checking out the website since you've been talking about it because I saw oh, your okay. pictures yesterday. All right. Um, and for anyone who's interested, check out halfmoondrivein.com. Mm. Um, just the opening shot, like it absolutely looks like it's up my alley. But then I'm looking at the menu here. And, um, you know, they have the single dog, the super dog, the chili dog. And, you know, the super dog is a three wiener dog, right? And, you know, a three right. wiener dog can't walk. Now, what, what dog did you end up getting yesterday? It's just the foot long. Oh, uh, of course. Right. But, I mean, what hot dog did you get? <laughs> we already know uh, you had a foot long wiener, but what, oh, what hot geez. dog did you get? God, learn to accept a compliment, dude. Wow, thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, don't you remember Bachelor Party with Tom Tom Hanks? <sighs> a long time ago, yeah, Tony Katane. Well, they get the guy to put his dick in the hot dog pot, oh, and right. she's like, "Is that a foot long?" And he says, "And then some." Right. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I think there was a couple other teen sex comedies in the eighties that did that gag. Oh, I, I'm but, sure they all did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, at some point. So yeah, bottom line, I had a fantastic Father's Day. Uh, a couple of days before that, all on the same day. Okay, was both little snowy, my daughter's college grad ceremony. Okay, and then later on, Mrs. Snowy and I we stepped out for our thirty first. 34th anniversary wow yeah yeah it was one hell of a day like okay like my daughter like she's you know 31 now okay and she had already graduated from uh from university but her job her career said um yeah we want to send you to school to to college to take this specific course that it's relevant to, you know, the company that's, that she works with, but they'll pay for everything. And then Rock when on. she goes, yeah, yeah. When she goes through everything, she'll end up with a promotion and a raise. So basically her company <laughs> is, is paying to give her a promotion. And that's raise. fantastic, but, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. And yeah, 34 years. It's it's been yeah June fourteenth nineteen eighty nine. Now we didn't. Wow! Congratulations, thank, dude. Thank thank you thank you. That that blows everyone away. You know because these days, especially when you're talking with the younger, like most most of my friends are millennials. Okay, and they all go through relationships like you know, like it's true cobalt coffee. Well, dude, even our age, man, like. I, you know, I didn't get married till I was 30. Okay. And most of my friends that, that were married, um, I'm pretty sure, that, like, I only have a couple of friends that are still on their first marriage. Ah. You know, and, mm -hmm. and I was with this way, or, or like people that I went to school with. And, and, like, my close friends, I think most of them are, like, like, um, like John from Iron City Rocks. 
Sean, also of Iron City Rocks. Uh, my buddy Frank, who I've known since like third grade. You know, like mm-hmm. all of them still on their first marriage and mm-hmm. continue to be because, you know, right. it's different. But then there's just a lot of people that are second, third, fourth, you know, and nothing against that. But it was just, you know, I, I didn't want to, man, I just I wanted to be sure I was right. doing this once, you know. That's right. That's, that's exactly what Beetlejuice said. I'm going to do this. I said, I'm only going to do it once. And yeah. Yeah, and 34 years, she hasn't killed me yet. So that's. Yet. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> we, we've all got a ghoul pool going. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, it was an absolutely fantastic day. Congratulations to my. Well, she's always going to be my little girl, regardless of how oh, old yeah. I get and, you know, how many years on the, on, on the calendar go by but um for now and we're gonna do things a little bit differently because um this is a big topic that oh, yeah. we're going to be discussing and it just kind of hit me just the other day like 1993 okay he's 30 years old now like everything that went on in 1993 dude that was that wasn't a couple years ago, like I say about everything, ah, a few years ago. Ah, it feels like it. It does. It does. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? This would be a good opportunity to just kind of end, give 1993 the once over, you know, the various bands that formed, different, the albums that were released. There was some news that, wow, that all that happened in 1993. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I figured that's what we're going to do uh, this week um, to get us there. So since we have this this big this big topic, I figured um, we're going to have to forego some things like the metal fix this week, and uh, hopefully, though, we will uh, get to an indie spotlight. If not, we'll carry that over to next week because, like I said, this is a big topic. And I got a stack of wax here that I can't wait to uh, get out there. So um, to get us rocking and rolling there, um, for the good folks at True Cobalt Coffee, this is the mandatory metal segment. Let's go back a couple years ago now, 1349's record, Infernal Pathway. Let's go. I guess this was the single... Through the Eyes of Stone.
The thing about 1993, dude, was, um, okay, we think of that era, the early 90s, and and even today, what's the thing that you think about? In 1993, or just yeah, the 90s in general? Just, just, the, just the early 90s. What, what, what comes to mind? Lollapalooza. Right, right. Nirvana. Yep. Grunts. Hard alternative, like yeah. you know, that all all that type of stuff. But while all that was capturing the mainstream attention, okay, there was a lot going on, you know, in the underground and in the metal world and all that. That um, yeah, you know, like I was in the, you know, I was in the underground like a dirty shirt, obviously. So a lot of this stuff, like I, I, I kind of remember, but sometimes I think. That era, you know, kind of gets a, a mental pass, shall we say. People need to be reminded about all the cool stuff that kind of happened at that, uh, at that point. And I guess probably the best way to start is going through some of the, uh, the bands that formed, you know, that that kind of got their shit together, not necessarily released a debut record, but okay, this, this is our lineup. We're, we're writing some songs We're we're, we're slugging it out in the garage or we're, you know, we're getting on, um, on other touring bands, bills as the support and all that. We all know the deal. We all have friends in bands and all that. And when you go, through like the list of the bands that debutted or got you know got their shit together in 1993 some of them uh some of them were kind of surprising is there anything that kind of jumps out at you right away like one of the first things coal chamber yeah yeah because once again we all think grunge new metal you know, was just starting to form as well. Yeah. And, and corn also formed the same year. I mean, corn obviously broke before cold chamber. Like I don't, I feel like cold chamber's first album was until what? 97, maybe. Right. 98, somewhere there. But right. like that first cold chamber record is still one of my favorite records of the nineties. Like I, I love everything on that record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, wow, they were playing in 93. I'm like, <laughs> wow, okay. It was probably a very different corn, you know, in the garage than what the final product when that first record came well, out. You yeah, know, like, I'm sure same with Cold Chamber. Right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. 1993 also gave us Papa Roach. As well, that's really? that's that's a, yeah, that's another band that um, you know their 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 debut record wouldn't kick in until the latter nineties, you know once you know the record companies were like, hey, there's gold in them Var Hills, you wow. know, and then they went out and just tried to sign as many of these quote unquote new metal bands as they could. You know, and then and, and not 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 every band was a corn, you know, or a coal chamber, but you know, at at that time, here's this new sound and EW, 
you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and let's 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 see what we can find. Throw it against the wall and let's let let's see what sticks. And obviously, corn, cold chamber, pop, Papa Roach, they all kind of stuck. I know a favorite of yours is yeah. um, Rotten Sound. I just saw that on the list. I'm like, wow, they started in '93. It, oh, it like, doesn't seem like, yeah. No, like, I, they don't feel like they've been around that long to me at all. Mm, it, no. It's like, wow. No. no, because like the other bands, it probably took them, you know. It's it's not like Rotten Sound formed, and then the next day they're rapping on the relapse's door. Hey, give give us a deal, you know. Like, it, it took them a while. It's just like every other band. Yeah. You got to slog it out. Pay, well, pay their dues. Did you see Apocalyptica? Yes. They're, they're a band that feels like they've been around forever. Like, mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that was also 93. Like, there's really a lot going on in 1993. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit on, on, on the heavier side. And once again, well, this, this kind of makes sense because... You know, you you had you had the grunge, but the black metal, like okay, like you had the eighties influence from Bathory, Possessed, Venom, and all that, and then the black metal had its 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 explosion as well with the whole Nor- Norway with Burzum and Mayhem and all that. So that that whole European black metal scene was brewing as well. Yeah. It's where you got bands like Dark Funeral. They they got <laughs> they they started cutting their chops as well as as well as Funeral Mist. I see. Horna, Hecatate, Enthroned. Like it's like, yeah, Melakesh. It's like what? Neglefar and Nile. Okay, like that's these are stuff that. Because a lot of these bands are still slog- are still slogging it out. Nile Nile is 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 still a thing, but you have a hard time remembering that. Hey, back then, you know, like <laughs> they they were those they were those young kids, you know. And it's it's like when you see pictures, okay, <laughs> of of bands like when they're in their teens. Cutting, oh, yeah. cut, cutting their first demo, and then you fast forward thirty years later, they're pushing fifty. And it's like, how the hell? Did, who said this band could have gray? You know, the last time I saw a picture of them was in Metal Forces in nineteen eighty six. Yeah, you know, they didn't even they couldn't even grow a beard. Never mind have gray. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> so, here's the one that really struck me, like on this whole list. Okay, Mushroom Head. Yeah. Right? Because cause they were... And so interesting thing about Mushroom Head, right? So they're from Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And Ohio and Pennsylvania are close enough. I mean, because we're border states. But like Youngstown, Ohio is close enough to Pennsylvania that like that's where I went to school. And I mean, it's only a couple hours away. Cleveland's not that far of a drive, you know. And we've had the famous sports rivalry. Of course. Um, but the studio that we recorded at, um, my band Darkwater, like somewhere, man, was it 99, 98 or 99, whenever we did that. Um, 
Mushroom Head also recorded there. Ah, and cool. The the guy that ran the studio talked to Mushroom Head because you know they had the same the same shtick as, um, oh dude, help me, Slipknot. Slipknot. Right, like the mask and you know a whole bunch of people and all that sort of stuff. And their story is that Roadrunner offered them a deal. And it was basically like, bend over while we shove this board up your ass. Like mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty close to what what was said to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, so they turned him down, and the next thing you know, they're Slipknot. Right. You know, and Slipknot's the biggest thing in the world. And I mean, Mushroom Head, other than I knew who they are, I don't even know their songs. You know, and, and they were essentially like a local band to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, like that's why Mushroom Head stands out. I'm like, wow, 93. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. So, so they actually, okay, everyone, you know, Mushroom Head, that's Slipknot Light. Right. As it turns out, no, I think Mushroom Head might actually, yeah, predate. Predate, yeah. Predate Slipknot. So yeah. good, good on them. And I think Mushroom Head are still around. Oh, they are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so do stuff. Yeah. Uh, Pig Venus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If I, I just if, love saying if that. If I ever so. had that guy on the other end of my microphone, I would have been like, really? You know, but. Uh, well, again, but think about it. That's the thing that was funny in 1993. Yeah. Yeah. And in 83 and in 73. Probably in 2003. And probably but, in 2023. Yeah. But, but, but like later. When you're in your fifties, maybe it wasn't the best <laughs> choice, right? Yeah. Oh, see. Oh, for sure. Like there are so many songs, you know, um, images, gimmicks, you know, that 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 bands had when they were twenty, and they look back and they go, "Oh man, I can't believe we fucking did that." Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, and, and it's interesting when you think about gimmicks that worked out, like Kiss and the makeup. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's one of the ones where I'm like, yeah, no, that, that's, that's still held up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but fuck, what was I going to say around? Oh, I had, I had something about, oh, so, you know, pig Venus, right? Um, <laughs> oh, God. are you familiar with the band Jay Giles band? Centerfold. Of course. Okay. Centerfold is still one of my all time favorite songs. Well, a fantastic song, right? Well, and they mm-hmm. have one of my favorite songs by them. It's called Whammer Jammer, and it's an instrumental and it's a harmonica piece. Oh. And the harmonica player is absolutely badass, just 100% badass. And I guarantee that you've heard the song because it's used in um, Hancock and it's used at the beginning of uh, Fever Pitch. Or not in the beginning of Fever Pitch. Beginning of Hancock, somewhere like towards the middle of Fever Pitch. But okay. probably a few other movies. But anyway, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the harmonica player, he's now, you know, probably in his 70s, you know, mid-70s. And his moniker is Magic Dick. Because <laughs> his well, name was Richard. His name yeah. is Richard, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the sort of thing that, you, you know, was really funny when you're 21. Uh-huh. Like I'm gonna go by Magic Dick, put that on the album. But when you're 75, yeah, do you still yeah. want to be known as Magic Dick? I mean, Magic maybe, Dick. you know. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe, maybe. Like, okay, like if your if your first name is Richard, it would be really unfortunate if your last name was Hertz. H E R T Z. Well, not when you're seventy five. <laughs> Again, it's going to get fairly accurate there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember when um, Chris Barnes left Cannibal Corpse. Oh yeah, you know, it was just after after the third record, and they were really okay. You could tell Cannibal Corpse was going to be like one of the biggest death metal bands ever, and they have become just that. Yeah. Okay, even though, and we're going to be talking about this later, even though they lost their vocalist, you know, their mouthpiece, Cannibal Corpse still went on to bigger and better. Chris Barnes, the vocalist, did all right for himself over the years with Six Feet Under. Yeah. I remember him leaving Cannibal Corpse, and then, it, you know, about a month or so later, yeah, Chris Barnes in the magazines, Chris Barnes' new band, Six Feet Under. All right, I'll take your word for it that it's good, and, like, no internet, nothing like that. Right. Back then. And, yeah, those first couple records were killer. Over the years, I didn't grab, like, all of Six Feet Under records. I should maybe see what I can find in the secondhand joints and all that. And because yeah, I I always I always enjoyed them. Even even some of the stuff that underground metalheads were were ragging on, it's like actually I kind of like that. Yeah. But you know, kind of teach their own. What was really surprising for me because I've I'd only heard of this band in about maybe ten years ago. Japan's grind, Japan's Japanese grinders unholy grave. Like, whoa, okay, that totally makes sense. Okay, because just because, like, there's 800 million grind bands, and uh, if you're not fully immersed, you know, that far down in the underground, then maybe you're not necessarily going to. Discover every band, but they were actually one of the bigger ones. So, like when I discovered them, maybe about ten years ago, I never really gave it any thought as to how long they've been around. And when you go over their discography and all that, they've got so many splits and EPs and albums and seven inches, and it's just they're just one of those bands that are good for that. Yeah, and to amass. A discography like that. Yeah, I guess you have to be around for more than a day and a night. And all that is just to see the name was like, whoa. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it would have made sense, okay, because by the time, you know, the early 90s were rolling around, it became very apparent that everyone was tired of Axl Rose's shit yes. by then. <laughs> Izzy Stradlin said, fuck off, you know, long, long before this. Slash said, you know what? I'm out of here and formed Snake Pit in 1993, which... Wow. That does not feel like it was that long ago. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's 30 years. So you, you can imagine just how long... 
it's been okay because wow maybe it was 10 years before that the early 80s it would have taken a few years for guns and roses to really get signed you know um so so let's let's talk for a second then about the meteoric rise and fall of guns and roses okay like appetites 88 yeah so 88 to 93 Mm-hmm. That's five years. That's, that's the golden years for Guns N' Roses. Yeah, the, but, those but years are never coming back. Well, yeah, but that's like five, five years in the spotlight that honestly felt like a decade or more living through mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's it's not like GNR ever really went away once Slash and Stradlin left. It's just. Well, yeah, but yeah, they, they, they definitely really became a joke for a while. Yeah, and they you were know. more of a. You know, and the whole Chinese democracy, democracy, that record's coming and all that. And then when it showed up, it was a a wet popcorn fart. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I bought it, but it's like, this is 17 years in the making. Yeah. And this is what we got. A lot of people were like, what the fuck? Then of course, Axel on the live front, you know, the support, the, the support bands would come on, play their set. You know, and then a half hour goes by, 45 minutes, an hour, you know, sometimes two hours. People got to get up and go to work in the morning, dude. And that left a bad taste, you know, in in people's mouths and all that. So, yeah, 30 years ago, Slash's Snake Pit. <laughs> and, and, I, and I bought it, but you know what? I, I couldn't tell you a single... A single song off of it. Nothing has retained over the years. I'm going to have to pull it out of the snowy vaults and give it a spin, I think. Yeah, like, I I don't, I I remember it, but that's another one where I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I I think because I was so over all the Guns N' Roses drama. I mean, like, the Guns N' Roses Metallica tour of, like, the 90s, the early 90s there, like, I'm just like, whatever, dude, I don't care. Oh, the Montreal riot, yeah. Yeah. I think it was more than Montreal, wasn't it? I feel like there are a couple places. Oh, probably. (laughs) Probably. But over the years, obviously that's the that that's kind of the things that really stick out. Yeah, Nui's some one of these times you know, uh, for for discussion, like major news throughout the decade of whichever. Oh, that'd be a good one. Yeah, yeah, I kind of get that. So, how about Super Joint Ritual was formed in '93? Right, <laughs> right. Now, um, was Anselmo part of that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, that was. Yeah. Yeah, Pantera would have been off and running, and you know, it wasn't like. It's something new for bands to go and do side project. That's the word I was looking for. Side, well, side because project. when okay when when was Vulgar Display of Power? Was that ninety two? Yeah, yeah, it would have been ninety two because yeah, it didn't uh, come out this year or ninety three, I should say. Was it? Why not? 
Vulgar display of power is 93? No, 92. No, no, it's not, yeah. I'm, I'm looking it up. Okay, so vulgar, yeah, vulgar is 92. So that's like the height of Pantera's popularity, right? Between 92 and 94 with the Far Beyond Driven, like yeah. they couldn't get any bigger, I don't think. And he takes off to do a side project. That's cool. Yeah, well, yeah, but th- think about that. Like, what other bands have ever done that at the height of their popularity? Uh, yeah, because it's like, okay, we got to go and tour. They got managers, yeah. agents, record company people. You know, no, you you know, you don't have time for this. Go on and get out there. And I can. He found time. And... Yeah, and notice it didn't hurt them one bit. Like it didn't no. affect Pantera at all. And typically, most bands will say, "No, you can't do that. It's going to affect us." Blah blah. blah. Like. If anything, it made Pantera bigger and it gave them even more street cred because, you know, all the shit Anselmo was doing was so fucking underground, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's, um... <sighs> Hank, Hank the Third. Yeah, but he wasn't until, like, 2002, I think. He wasn't until later. Okay, yeah. okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair Hank enough. Three on bass. Ah, okay. And finally, for me, um, bands forming to this day still. One of my all-time favorite bands is the Donnas. <laughs> I was and waiting they, for you to get to that one. Yeah, and they would have been 14, 15, just learning how to play their instruments. Yeah. And not too long after that, you know, they took to it like water, and they're pounding out um, seven-inch singles. And, you know, you could see the... And here, you know, the immaturity, you know, but come on, they're 15. You right, know, exactly. like, what the fuck was most people doing when they were 15? Naming themselves Pig Venus. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently, yeah, yeah. You got anything else you want to? Well, no. Are, are we going to talk about the four reformed bands real quick? Oh, okay. Before we get on to albums? Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to drop a couple tracks. Oh, drop it then. As, drop it when it's hot. As well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess for just a short a short while, Atheist, I'm trying to remember when they, like, obviously their heyday would have been late 80s and then going into the 90s. So if they were a reformed band... Well, that, I, that that must have been really pushing it. I, well, I, I think that somebody's flubbing these numbers, right? Because I only remember hearing about Atheist right around that time. Oh, okay. Right? And so I didn't even realize that they were starting in the 80s. Um, but, but you had Peace of Time, Unquestionable Presence, you know, so that's 1991, and then Elements was 93. And I think Elements is the record that I discovered them on. Oh, okay. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I feel like somebody's taking a little bit of liberty with that one. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But then yeah, apparently yeah. Cream got back together. For a couple shows, right? yeah. And Dio, and honestly, I don't think I realized that Dio ever took time off. Yeah, yeah. Even all the way up until, like, his death, they were still, you know, putting out albums yeah you know all all through that they were one of those bands that yeah they weren't selling a lot of records 
and all that. But uh, they were still, you know, a, a great live draw. Yeah. You know, well, so. then how about Dockin? Who the gives a fuck? <laughs> at that at that point, I think. Um, well, okay, it, it could have no, but who is giving a fuck about Dockin in the nineties? Well, that's just it. And here's the, here's the crazy part. <laughs> because um, the Monsters of Rock that happened in 1988 in Pittsburgh was just a few days ago um, as we're recording this, you know, the anniversary of it. And John of Iron City Rocks posted something up. And I was there. My dad took me, you know. Oh, right. Yeah. And I remember somebody's like, oh, yeah, they broke up on that tour. I'm like, I don't think it was that tour, but it was somewhere in there. Um. But um, it looks like they, they broke up in March of 89 and then okay. reformed in 83. Because I remember the lynch mob but, or reformed in 93. I honestly didn't think they reformed until later in the 90s. And especially mm-hmm. like, like what hair metal bands reforming in 1993. Like that was not a great time to be a hair metal band, you know. No, no, because they weren't even uh, – okay, now – nostalgia and all that like it, yeah. it, it it's it it's great to be you know a hair metal band from the 80s now because you know there's a lot of old bastards like you and i that are gonna shell out money you know to be to be young for a night and all that and tour the senior circuit and all that, but yeah, in the in the early '90s, no one no one was really caring. All of these bands, all these all these hair bands, were still making records. Nobody was buying them. No yeah. one cared at 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 all. Not not even their fans. But you gotta give them credit for flogging it out, though. And still, like even today, Aerosmith was to put out a new record. No, no one would care. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't think anybody care. But you know what? When Aerosmith was putting out records in the '90s, though, they—that was probably some of their their most commercial success. Yeah, yeah, they had they had a couple records there, and like some huge soundtrack songs and <laughs> and all that. It it would be interesting to see, you know, what because like. J- J- Joan Jett and the Blackhearts just put out a new EP last week called Mindsets. Oh, wow. And don't hear the only thing of, 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 of the Blackhearts that I hear on the radio is I love rock and roll, you know, <laughs> is um, like all the stuff from the from the 80s and here we are we got this great new ep maybe i'll talk about it next week and no one is really that concerned yeah about it about it um but yeah let's concern ourselves here with some wicked tunes from some bands that um formed in 1993 let's start with the aforementioned Nile, they put out a couple cool albums, but I think really it was in their darkened shrines that release that they really, really caught their groove in terms of popularity and probably 
One of the big reasons for that was the single sarcophagus.
from that uh, underground black metal boom that mayhem hath wrought, that was Funeral Mist. And this is actually one of their more uh, more recent albums. I think it's only a couple years old now. A Deaform that was Apocalypticon. Really, really cool stuff. And before that, I'm surprised that neither of us mentioned this guy, this band, while we were talking about them. But Electric Wizard made their debut in 1993. That was one of their latter day records, Witch Cult. Today, that was the satanic rites of a drugula. I mean, like, what else are you going to name your song when you're a stoner doom band? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> let's, 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 be, let's be realistic here. Um, like we said, um, while, you know, Seattle was ruling the roost, you know, metal was still doing its thing. And those, you know, that got behind it definitely, you know, appreciated. And we got a lot of really cool albums as well in that 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 year and when you when you go back you find a list of them and you and you think about it it's like oh shit yeah yeah i can't believe this album kind of you know um left left my head but now now it's like yeah i'm definitely going to have to pull that out and kind of give it a spin when you think of albums in 1993 what there's something that immediately pops into your mind. The sound of white noise. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. That's going to be one of Anthrax's. Okay, when you compile a list, you know of the of the greatest Anthrax album. When you go over to their discography, yeah, it wasn't one of their biggest sellers. Okay, but. That was the first record without the tried and true vocal sound yeah. that Belladonna had left. John Bush had come in, and when everyone back then was like, "Oh no, Belladonna's left," but I'm like, "Fuck, man! Look who's coming in, though! Fucking John Saint from Armored Saint." <laughs> you know, John yeah. Bush. I mean, you know, the, the so, lead single only off that record. Yeah, yeah, you knew they 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 meant business. And the riffs on that, on, you know, like songs like Room for One More, total, yeah. total Scott Ian riffs. The only thing that really changed was the vocals. And I don't understand, you know, why that record took such flack. Well, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And, and I mean, we've talked about this one before, like bands that successfully go through a vocalist change and bands that don't. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Anthrax, like that record, uh, because let's face it, like persistent persistence of time was like their, their biggest record of, you know, the, what we'll call the first wave, you know, like that was their master puppets for me, at least. I know other people are going to say that it's, um, oh fuck. Um, oh my goodness. I can picture the album cover among the living. I'm like, come on. Mm-hmm. I know every song. Um, <laughs> among the living, but for me, persistence of time was just an absolute masterpiece, right? Absolute masterpiece. Mm-hmm. 
And then they follow it up with um, Attack of the Killer Bees and the Public Enemy Tour. And it's like, wow, like these guys can do no wrong. They're getting bigger and bigger. Like you feel like they're on their way to Metallica level fame, right? And right. then Sound of White Noise and nobody gives a shit. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fire at their studio, all the stuff. And, and I never left a man. Like, the the only album I did not buy from Anthrax, um, and I honestly still don't think I purchased this one, was We've Come For You All in 2005. Oh, okay. That's the only one I haven't purchased. I have purchased every other album. I have, I've never left them. Fair enough, fair enough. No, I, I agree. I've pretty much got... I don't know if there's any that I don't have going all the way back to... You know the very first record, the old bands, the old bands' eye days when Neil Turbin was was the front man. It was a very weird year. Okay, well, maybe maybe not weird, but I remember like that was um, the year that Columbia Records thought maybe here let's what's this death metal all about? <laughs> what 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 can we how how can we cha-ching on this? And so you know, that was the year that they signed up a bunch of uh, earache bands. Napalm Death, Carcass, Fudge Tunnel, and probably, well, I guess maybe competing with Carcass's heart work that came out that year. Yeah. Um, and Tomb's Wolverine Blues. That record, I remember seeing ads for it in all the magazines. Um, it came with a mini comic, and the first mm-hmm. time I heard it, I didn't get it. I no? I remember listening to them like, yeah, I don't get this at all. It just <clears throat> was nowhere near what I expected. I'd never heard anything like it. Now I love the record, right? Mm-hmm. Like I absolutely love it. Like I I chased it down on eBay. Um, and got a copy of the CD with the mini comic and everything. Oh, and right on! I absolutely love it now. But but that was just at the time. I was like, yeah, what the fuck is this? You know. <laughs> but at the same time, it's great to have those kind of moments because I I never stop trying. Like I'm always listening to new stuff. If it doesn't hit me now, it might hit me in ten years. You know. Right. Like, and then I get to experience it all over again. You know. No, no, fair time. enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Just t- timeless music. I'm sure, like, if it if if it wasn't released then, you know, and Entombed kind of didn't have their, you know, like you had Entombed and Entombed AD and, like, that kind of diluted everything. If Wolverine Blues never happened, if the whole Columbia Records experiment never happened and they were to release it today, I think it might have probably garnered more attention now than it did back then probably it would be interesting it would definitely be interesting the um the early 90s gave us the riot girl scene you know from the seattle area as well as well as california and all, you know all, just all along all along the west the west coast and the front runner. Okay. Well, I guess maybe the front runner was L7 of the whole 
the whole the whole the whole riot girl thing. But they they got picked up, you know, with the uh, hard alternative boom. Yeah. And all that. So yeah, that's kind of where people kind of put their, you know, when they think of L seven, that's probably how they're thinking of them. I look at them a little different. But I guess maybe, you know, the front runner of that scene would have been L seven, immediately followed by Bikini Kill. Their wow, album put yeah. their their album Pussy Whipped, you know, which gave us the awesome track Rebel Girl, which had last year courtesy of um the Netflix movie Moxie, you know, there was a small resurrection for Bikini Kill and, and that awesome track back then. And just like just the whole the whole scene in general. You know, um I can just imagine like there's a lot of young ladies you know, just just like the Runaways inspired a generation of young ladies to pick up the guitar. You know, hey, I can I can rock and roll as well. There's probably a lot of punk, you know, bands, you know, from the early 2000s that said, yeah, yeah, it was Bikini Kill. It was Seven Year Bitch. It was L7. It was Bratmobile. Those bands made me want to uh, say, fuck yeah, I can do this. So, yeah, yeah, no matter what happens with Bikini Kill, I think they're always going to uh, have have that, you know, that, 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 that important piece of history. When we talked about um, uh, Chris Barnes leaving Cannibal Corpse, Kind of did the same thing. Well, no, no, I don't think he left Obituary. But James Murphy, his band Disincarnate, they're that, that awesome debut record, which I think that's the only Disincarnate record that, you know, that, that, that Murphy put out, Dreams of the Carrion Kind. That was one of those, okay, it's a death metal band, but look who's behind it. I'm buying this sound unheard, you know, because how else were you going to hear it? But I'm hearing good things from reliable sources, namely the magazines who's that I trusted. Uh, and it 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 worked. It worked. It worked. Um, you have some albums here. Well, in, uh, 1993. Uh, yeah. Um... There's a few things that are jumping out to me, but it's an it's interesting to see how many um, bands whose heydays were really the '80s were still giving it another shot. Mm-hmm. You know, like Overkill is on this list. You know, and man, who's another one that I just saw? Halloween. Right. Right, but. Um, this is when Kiss Alive 3 comes out. Aha, yes. And I think this is another one that um, probably didn't do anything. Because like, I, I remember I did not buy this album at that time. Because I already had Kiss Alive 1 and Kiss Alive 2. I'm like, do I need another Kiss Alive record? You know, I had seen this one. I'm like, oh, I don't need it. Now, I have since bought it because that is my Kiss, right? Like, my Kiss is, is the 80s Kiss. 
and that's you know that's the um, revenge tour, mm-hmm. um, which is just fantastic. So and, and it's really it's a great album, but like at the time, didn't do anything, didn't do anything for anybody, you know. Yeah, really. I I like okay because I that wasn't like I I actually kind of forgot like Kiss Alive even existed. Yeah. Until like like getting ready for this thing because of course Kiss Alive is the consummate live album. That's the one everyone you know remembers and well, has such put a them on the map. sacred for sure for sure for sure. And then Kiss Alive Two gave us okay. I don't want to say more of the same, but you know it it represented Kiss, you know, live, for the lack of a better term. Right. And yeah, were did anyone really care about a third double live Kiss album back then, especially at that moment? I yeah, know. not a lot of people. You know, and then oh. there was another band that scanned this list. I saw Metal Church. Hmm. Like. I didn't even know that they put it on an album in 93. Uh, they were one of those bands that, that took the hit. You know, like like the, the whole um, high high tides raises all ships. Yeah. Okay, just, just because Metallica got huge, that doesn't mean that all the thrash bands that toured with them and 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 all that because Metallica's success did nothing for Metal Church. It did nothing for Raven. It, it did, did nothing. nothing for anybody yeah. else in metal. Yeah, and yeah, and that's like... fascinating to me because Metallica could could do no wrong in the nineties, right? Because this is when like live shit comes out, right? Ninety three, I think it's on mm-hmm. this list. Yeah, the binge and purge, um, and they. Like this is where they they could do. I mean, you know, shortly after this, we get load, then we get the reload, and I I was done with Metallica for a while. You know, like I'm over this nonsense. Mm-hmm, but me they too. could do no wrong, and they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, yeah, they like this, these years are still not my favorite favorite records. Like. St. Anger is where I come back on board. And I know that's very controversial. Um, but I think St. Anger is a great record. I don't care what anybody says. Me too. Me too. That's when they kind of got my attention. It's like, okay, I can see where they're going and all that. And I'm and I'm kind of digging it. That oh, We don't even have to mention, you know, the big, you know, the, the big takeaway from that record um quiet riot 1993 they were another one of those bands that uh their time was done yeah very much you know obviously but they were still still flogging the note putting out records that nobody cared about i cared about the terrified record though i thought you know okay this is this is some pretty cool stuff and it was released Oh, what was the name of the label that was owned by Charles Band from um, the Full Moon Productions that did a lot of uh, low-budget horror film in the '80s and then into the early '90s? I think I think Band is still is still making uh, making horror films. 
today, but they tapped uh, they 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 tapped quite right for a lot of songs. Demonic Toys versus Dollman movie. <laughs> that was a thing, okay. Like you to really appreciate this, you would have had to have seen the Dollman movie and the Demonic Toys movies. Like everyone can talk about the MCU shared universes and all that. This has actually been going on for a long time in 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 the horror films and all and all that. So a lot of the songs from the Terrified album, ended up on that soundtrack. It's like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is great. This is great. And it's just, I think that was really, when did Kevin Dubrow leave us? I, I can't remember. It was, it was later on, you know, but I, that was the last Quiet Riot record that I kind of got excited for. And I'm just going by the top of my head here. I'm not a hundred. 110 what they put out after this but yeah they were um they were still on my radar what about you well sabotage had the edge of thorns which i do remember um and that's another one a band where man they they suffered a blow right because um you know gutter ballet like right at the end of the 90s uh, Edge of Thorns comes out, and I, th- I believe it's actually fairly well received. Uh, but then uh, Chris Olivia, or Chris Oliva, I don't know. Oliva, I, yeah. I never pronounce it right. I uh, know. But, yeah. you know, John was the lead lead singer and keyboardist, and then Chris is a brother. And uh, Chris was in a car accident, you know, drunk driving. And it wasn't Chris that was drunk driving. He was hit by a drunk driver. Wow. And that was it, you know. And then, you know, Sabotage still kept going. Because like, hey, when when was Dead Winter dead? That was, what, 96, uh, 97? Uh, good, good question. This is, more your, this is more your territory. I'm trying to place Edge of Thorns right, 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 right now. Yeah, like it, I mean, it, it kind of kept, kept in the same vein, for, in my opinion, at least, okay. as... Um, as gutter ballet, um, but so then Dead Winter Dead comes out. Hang on, where's this one? Like, because they kind of navigated the '90s pretty well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, where is it? Gutter, oh, gutter ballet is '89. Oh, and then Streets and then Edge of Thorns. Okay, okay, Dead Winter Dead is '95, and Dead Winter Dead. Um, I, I think one of the reasons it got the um, I got the attention of people was because of the way they were doing the, the story. And I believe a lot of it was supposed to come through the eyes of like a thousand year old gargoyle oh, okay. watching history over time. And you know, they're focused on the, um, on the war, but that's where we get, uh, the 1224 Christmas Eve Sarajevo where they do Carol of the Bells, that insanely rousing Carol of the Bells that later becomes one of the signature songs of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Orchestra, right. You know, and they managed to, you know, like navigate that, that crazy, crazy time of the 90s. Um, and and they, they, they survived. And I mean, you know, uh, um, Trans-Siberian Orchestra's 
probably still one of the, the biggest touring heavy acts, right? I mean, it, they've they've probably got to be up there with a Metallica for as, as many arenas as they can sell out. Right, because it's not just a metal band. It's it's a Christmas act. Yeah. You know, so like that that draws everybody. It does. It really does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is which? Good on them. Good on them. Yeah. Let's uh, let's expose some Joe and Jane averages here that just want to go out to a Christmas show and then they see a nice heavy electric guitar. Yeah. Well, dude, for me, like this is like like the gateway drug for my family, right? Like th- this is a show that my wife and I can both go to and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids enjoy it. You know, like I'm I'm a huge fan. Right. So, so that was a good one. So here's another one, dude. Were you a KMFDM fan? Uh, I don't have any of their stuff, but I can, I can respect it. It's All something right. I should really, I should give more attention to. Well, the album that came out in '93, Angst, I think you'd like. Okay. Um, it's it's industrial metal, like, and because you had all the industrial stuff coming up, right? Nine Inch Nails is coming out, and then every industrial yeah. band under the sun yeah, comes out. Yeah, yeah. Canada you know, was doing ministry. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, with that. You know, you've got Ministry, but like KMFDM is the band that really, um, that really like like struck a chord with me because you had all the different. You know, rumors about what KMFDM stands for, you know, kill motherfucking Depeche Mode. Um, <laughs> okay, I know. I never heard that one. That's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a blast because I had a friend at the time who loved Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode was her favorite band. And so I would always send her a mixtape and I'd sneak a KMFDM song in there. And the best part is, like, I would pick a great song and... And, 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 you know, this is back when you had to mail cassettes to people, right? Right. Oh, like yeah. You had to make the cassette and then mail it to somebody. So, she, so I'm in Pennsylvania. She's at, at school in, um, at the American University in Washington, D.C. And I would always get these stories. She's like, you know, I'll, I'll get the phone call like, damn you. Or I get the letter back that starts <laughs> with that. And, um, <laughs> You know, her roommates, like when I would, you know, come to visit, they would laugh and be like, like, it's so funny when you send her a tape because she'll be singing along to a song and be like, wow, I love this song. Picks it up and then it's a Depeche Mode song. <laughs> or no, I'm sorry, it came at yeah. song. No, she's right. like, I hate you. <laughs> you know, so she's like, and, and her roommates are like, I'm so confused. It's like, I thought you liked the song. I do. That's why I hate him. Why? Yeah motherfucker exactly <laughs> yeah it was so much fun dude but then i also didn't realize that in utero what is was 93 like mm-hmm. because we lost kurt cobain the next year yeah it was it wasn't it wasn't too long after that like like that just, just i mean talk about you know um burnout rather than fade away just like wow dude I, I did not realize just how quick all that was happening at that time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They say, you know, live fast, die young, leave a good looking corpse. Well, if he shot himself, <laughs> he wasn't leaving the corpse. He wasn't looking leaving the pretty corpse. Wow. Well. Let's add this to the list of things I didn't think we were talking about tonight. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah, I got nothing. Do you believe he killed himself, or do you believe that, like, his wife put the hit out on him? That's one of the rock and roll I, I, I don't mysteries. Know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Courtney Love is her own special person. Yeah, yeah, I can go on for a long time about that. Yeah. Um, the 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 thing about the that struck me about that whole controversy is that apparently, if this is true. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. The word has it that she had hired El Duce from the mentors to do it. It's like oh, that's so weird. You yeah. know, <laughs> like when they when when that idea was was coming out, it's like that's that is so bizarre. You know, like what a weird name to be throwing out there at the time, you know, like Courtney Love was a fan of the mentors. Yeah, you know? like, oh, I, I, I really, I don't know. I, I don't want to believe that she would put a hit on him. I really, like, I don't think so. Because, you know, it, it's pretty well documented that he was in a lot of pain all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? And, like, if you are in constant pain and you can't do anything to take it away like that just i mean even if you are somebody who doesn't have any sort of mental health issues you could possibly develop them from being in pain 24 7 right you know Uh, i could totally understand that when you when you you know start out with with a childhood like he had you know he are he already had a lot of pain in his life and then add physical pain to it and just I just feel like he just gave in, man. It's just such a bummer, you know? Yeah, no, no, that's too bad. That's too bad. 1993 saw the return of Merciful Fate with their comeback record in the shadows. I I remember being totally stoked for this and buying it because, like, Merciful Fate, like, when I discovered, when I went metal full-time, Merciful Fate was one of those bands you know, with the Melissa album, and then right away, Don't Break the Oath came out just shortly after I had discovered them. So, yeah, all through the year, I couldn't imagine, you know, the the 80s without Merciful Fate, but then, you know, they end up splitting. Uh, when did the first King Diamond album come out? 1987? So they had actually split maybe a year before they they were gone, you know, a good a good number of years, and it was you know the comeback record in the shadows. And of course, Metal Blade was smart enough to pick them up because I don't know what I think Roadrunner, who you know that's who Merciful Fate had signed on with in the eighties. I think they might have started to. Uh, you know, they might have been burnt out from, uh, like, they were signing all those death metal bands and all that. And I think by this time, you know, they might have been looking to uh, go in a different direction. And look what Roadrunner would become, signing, like, fucking Nickelback. Like, that's something that everyone is ready to bash Nickelback. And I understand why they do it. But... right. 
they're on Roadrunner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, you know, and that makes me think because what's his name? The singer, you know, he, you know, I was a big metalhead all throughout the 80s. I had lots of, I had lots of uh, albums from bands on Roadrunner. So I guess when they, Roadrunner threw the offer, they jumped at it. And so, so good on them, actually, you know, like just, just for that, because I'm sure there's a lot of artists. Well, you know, Metal Blade really wants me, but this, this label is giving me a much better deal with more money and all that. And then maybe you think back because that's what happened with, um, Armored Saint. Their um, Road Road Roadrunner wanted them. Not Roadrunner, Metal Blade wanted them, but Chrysalis, the uh, the major record label at the time, offered them a deal. And because they were a major label, they signed on with them. They did three a three album cycle with Chrysalis. They said, "Okay, you guys can fuck off now." And you know, like John Bush himself said you know we really should have went with metal blade and all that so yeah good on them good on them this this was i i recall in the shadows was a fantastic record it was a definite return to form the song the bell witch was probably the closest thing to a hit quote unquote that merciful fate would have had up to that time Really, really cool stuff. Is there anything else? Um, well, let's see here. Else that, I mean, there's there was a lot. Well, every time I scan it, things like catch me and then disappear. Um, I forgot that this is the year that Iron Maiden put out three different live albums. <laughs> wow, yeah, a real live one, real dead one, and a real live dead one, or how <laughs> live work? at Donington is the other one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, holy jeez. Yeah, it was just interesting. Like, I think I think those are all the ones. Oh, well, Coverdale Page. I didn't realize that was only 93. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but then I, do, I don't know how well that project did. Like, do you, do, do, do you recall how well it was received? Like, I, I, I know it had its audience. But you would think, okay, that David Coverdale and Jimmy Page in the same band at the same time should have been playing stadiums. I feel like you know? they were, or close to it, like at least I mean, arenas. Yeah, like you I'm know, like it, it was put this way: Coverdale Page was a big deal in Pittsburgh. But everybody oh, okay. in Pittsburgh was dying for Led Zeppelin to come back in any form. Right. So Coverdale Page is going to be as close as we get to that. You know? Right. 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 Which I don't think we're ever going to get. Because I think Plant himself has said, you know, uh, there's just not going to be, you know, a Led Zeppelin henceforth. Yeah. And, and all that. And it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe it is. As much as we would like to see it, I'm not paying the thousand dollars to see Zeppelin live. Like that's, because <laughs> that's 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 exactly what they would um, would stick us for. Man, what about uh, that cheap? <laughs> oh, gee, ain't that cheap? Yeah. 
Sure, sure, sure. Um, it was an interesting year for Morbid Angel as well. Their um, their album Covenant, their uh, the major label giant, kind of snapped them up to uh, be released here in North in in North America, and that's that's that was actually one of. It, it shouldn't have been a surprise because that was also the year, like I said, that, that Columbia Records was doing the death metal ex, ex, experiment. Okay, but to see Morbid Angel get snapped up like that, definitely, you know, it's like, okay, they're now, they're signing on to a major label. What are they going to do with them and all that? And really, Rapture, or the the album was actually really strong. It was a it was it was a great follow up. The first single, I guess you want to call it, Rapture, ended up being a uh, in the Night of the Demons two soundtrack. That 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 was a pleasant surprise. Where you're um, when you find metal in places you're not necessarily expecting it. Oh, yeah, yeah, a horror film that might be low hanging fruit, but not brutal death metal. You know, and when I first heard that, I'm like, holy, holy fuck, this is awesome. I would definitely be remiss, and we're going to get to some tunes here. If I didn't mention Propagandy's first record, How to Clean Everything, <laughs> dropped, dropped, dropped in 1993. Now, these are good local boys and now girl. Okay, <laughs> and we saw, we saw just... You know how, um, like this this band was going. Like we saw even before they signed on to Fat Records. Yeah. Okay. Like we saw here on the local level, like this this band could be onto something. We loved them when they got signed. Okay, this is fantastic, and what a great record it was. You laughed, you cried, you, you know, they had wick. They kind of had really wicked song titles, so. Yeah, it was so cool, like, having them on the show and just being a part of the Winnipeg metal scene. And now, like, one of the biggest punk bands on the planet. And it really all started way back with the How to Clean Everything. So let's go with a track of from said record. This is the Mighty Propagandy. With stick the fucking flag up your goddamn ass, you son of a bitch. say freedom well if you're dumb enough to vote you're fucking dumb enough to believe them because if this country 
is so goddamn free that I can burn your fucking flag wherever I damn well please. And then I'm gonna stick it up your fucking ass! I carried the ransom, convinced it was mine.
So cancer, death metalers, cancer, they kind of had their heyday in the 80s with their first two records but man don't don't sleep don't don't sleep on what i think was their third album sins of mankind that that was i think a record that was really underappreciated for a band that had you know the following that cancer had in the 80s and like to to put out a record like that and have it not fully appreciated was kind of disheartening i gotta say that was cancer and meat train really really good stuff that's see that, that that's the thing we're we're revisiting all this great music all these great bands 30 years later and i hope we're giving people incentive to uh go back out and give some of this stuff a try because it's all right there on your phone. We want you to go find the vinyl. Can't find the vinyl. Go get the, uh, find the CD. You can't do that. Fine. It's right there on your phone. That Spotify thingy. Yeah. Okay. All of this great music, I'm sure will be there. So we want everyone to, uh, to go and check that out that finally leaves us with um some of the news events that kind of made up 1993 and it just it's kind of surprising okay that this stuff you know happened 30 years ago because we're still talking about it it's part of our consciousness and all that and i think kind of what really sticks out was what happened in the Iron Maiden and Judas Priest camps because both Dickinson and Halford leaving those those outfits both happened in 1993 yeah and That's, very wow. well established outfits that you can't imagine them without those singers mhm mhm did you enjoy any and any post Dickinson Maiden, any post Halford, you know, that period, like they would eventually return, you know, but um did those those albums that featured Blaze, Blaze Bailey and Ripper Owens, was 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 there any stuff that you could get behind? Well, what was Halford's project? Fight. Okay. Fight that and then I he loved. had yeah. Oh, for sure. The War of Words album, I believe it was called, which I have it. I have it down in the snowy vaults. I should have went and gave it a spin before we sat down. But yeah, I think it was the War of Words album, something to that effect. That would have actually just, it makes you wonder, why did you leave Priest? You know, because like, was there a big difference between fight and priest like i don't know i honestly i didn't listen to priest or maiden really during that time oh okay oh okay um you definitely but you you knew okay like 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 i'm not that guy that oh the the singer left this band's no good now um, but you know, a lot of people were, and when you, when you identify, that's, I think that's the key word 
with um, the vocalist with with those songs. With without Dickinson, without Halford, they almost sound like um, a bar band, right? You know, just playing, you know, a, a Judas Priest cover and all that. Have you heard the new Separate Ways version by that Daughtry band? No. Have, have you heard that? Yeah, yeah. Like this, I think Daughtry is like some hillbilly band or whatever. With no, a little, they're not quite like, hillbilly. No. Um, no, are you like familiar other... with the bass player Josh Paul? No, no. Uh, well, you should be. He um, he joined Suicidal Tendencies after Robert Trujillo, and he was like a teenager still at the time. Oh, okay. And I remember seeing him and thinking, like, "Wow, how did that young kid get this gig?" And then you see him play, it's like, "Oh, oh, that's, that's how why. that young kid got this gig." Oh, um, okay. So Josh well, Paul is a bit of a badass. And um, he is actually, I I think he's one of the founding members of Daughtry. Oh, okay. Like, I I think, I think he was like right in there from the ground, um, the ground level. And I I don't know if he's still with Daughtry. He may have finally like left them amicably, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, Because like I hear this Daughtry band on the radio because they're, they did a cover of Journey Separate Ways. And Lizzie Hale does some vocals on it as well. And when she's not singing like this, it just sounds like some bar band doing separate ways. Dude, that's how I felt about David Lee Roth re-releasing those Van Halen songs. Oh, right. I still haven't given those a listen. Shit. Yeah, because it sounds like a bar band that David Lee Roth just happened happened upon. (laughs) Hey, let me sing these. I know these songs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, since we're here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, remind me. Send me a text or something. Gotcha. Yeah, you need to listen. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually one of my all-time favorite Judas Priest songs. You know, from from the not just the in general. Okay, was from the uh, Ripper Owens era, Bloodstained, which ended up on like the Bride of Chucky soundtrack and as well so yeah those those that era wasn't a total loss it wasn't a total loss and when you see okay you see um videos of maiden during the the bailey era and there's only like two thousand people there for for these shows as opposed to 10 or 15 right Imagine, okay, if you will, like seeing Maiden in like a more intimate set like that. Like, how do you argue that? And yeah, it's 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 not Dickinson, but it's still Steve Harris. Well, see, and that's the thing is, I think um, had I really gotten the opportunity, I would have enjoyed that because I mean, it is Steve Harris. Like, it's Steve Harris. Mm-hmm. You know. No, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, 1993 was the whole debacle, the death of Euronymous from, uh, from Mayhem, murdered wow. by, by Count, what's his face? I don't even, that, that, the Spaz there from, uh, now Spaz doesn't even, that's, that's too good for him. The fucking idiot from, uh. Burzum now. Was it Varg? Varg, 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 Varg. or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I just he he had a count something, and I just 
Whatever. Was it here? Count Grishnok? Grish, yeah, like yeah. yeah. It's, it's Count What's-His-Face, because I just, I give this ass head just a little, as little of myself as possible. If this wasn't such a huge thing in the metal underground, we wouldn't even, we wouldn't even be talking about this. But yeah, it really was like a huge moment then. And, um, you know, and it spawned the Lords of Chaos book and then the movie, which I finally, I finally, I finally now with my, um, my Roku TV, what, what app is it on? Is it Tubi? That Lords of Chaos. I I still haven't seen it. Is up now? No, I I haven't seen the movie, but I do know it's up on one of my streaming services, and maybe, and I still haven't seen it. I'm just not in any hurry to see this. Like I got so many other things. I went to the Flash movie this uh, this past week. Tomorrow we're gonna go do the new Guardians, the latest. Guardians of the Galaxy. So when it comes to movies, I got nice. more more priorities than this than this stupid story. But I just think it's something that should be seen, you know. And yeah, unfortunately, that's just I've I've talked about this on the show before. The dirty laundry. Yeah. You know, and I wish. You know, as much as we respect the filmmaker from Bathory, I can't remember his name that made the movie, as much as we respect him as an artist and as a person and all that, uh, that story did not need to be told to Joe and Jane Average. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think it's something that goes beyond... Um, it goes beyond metal... You know, when you look at the mental illness, um, uh, just there's just a lot going on there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, apparently, okay. Is it is it the same? Uh, I should have been looking this up. Is it the same dude that did the um, the Lords of Chaos? Is he not also doing the uh, Gigi Allen biopic as well? Because that's another thing that we uh, just don't need. Like, that's something that can stay in our closet. The whole Gigi Allen story, the whole thing in general, he died of a heroin overdose in 1993. To absolutely nobody's surprise. I didn't even realize that he died as late as 93. Ah, I thought he died somewhere in the 80s. Wow. No, no, no. It, it it was a little bit later. And I definitely don't need that. Uh... But am I going to watch it? Will I see it before, like, Lords of Chaos has been a number of years now. Three, four years, maybe? Hmm. It all depends. It all depends. It might, it might catch me at a, uh, at a good point. Point. Um, speaking of the movies, you're familiar with Airheads. Love that movie. Oh, uh, absolutely. The Lone Rangers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And their big hit, Degenerated. Yeah. Okay. That was actually an old Reagan youth song. 
from wow. the yeah yeah the the 1984 debut album um youth anthems for the new order okay yeah it was an old punk song from back in the day which uh yeah to probably a lot of people's surprise you know but i guess um hey hey chaz and the boys you know yeah big big punk fans i guess you know that that kind of became their 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 big hit Shall we say, well, 1993, Reagan youth vocalist Dave Insurgent took his own life. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's too bad. Um, like a lot of these artists, you know, they left us with, uh, with some good tunes. Can we get into some here? You got some... Uh, something else here you want to throw out there? No, man, let's hit it. Let's hit it. Okay, well, how about some uh, Reagan Youth with the original Degenerated?
After all is said and done with all that, we still had to drop a more uh, a more modern warfare, the esoteric record with Attila on vocals. That was Psy War. Well, man, what do you say? I think we're uh, just about done here. Yeah, man, stick a fork in it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how can uh, people get a hold of us? Well, dear snowman, radioactivemetal.org, all the episodes past, present, and future. You can find us um, anywhere you can find a podcast on the internet. We triple dog dare you to not find us on the internet. We're on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, however they do their podcast now, because, you know, I'm not an Android guy. That stuff keeps changing. So however they do that stuff, whatever. Um, we're there. We're everywhere. You can see pictures of things that we post. Radmetal666. I'm sorry. Facebook.com slash Radmetal. And then mm-hmm. um, at Radmetal666 on Instagram to see all the pretty pictures there. And let's see here. 
Yep, those are socials. Um, Ratmetal666 at Gmail to drop us a line. And then we're also on Spotify. And the reason we're on Spotify mm-hmm. is thanks to the fine folks of the Shining Wizards Network. So you head out to uh, Spotify, search for Shining Wizards Network, and you're going to find us. You're going to find Arasla Night in Canada. You're going to find a ton of other shows put on by the fine folks at the Shining Wizards Network. So mm-hmm. check them out. Great guys. We love all those guys there. Um, you know, enjoy yourself some other podcasts and you know <laughs> yeah. yes nice but always come back always, always come back every friday yeah i always go back um to get us on out of here for this week making their debut in 1993 was australia's war meddlers bestial war lust let's uh fast forward a couple years from that awesome Debut, drop a track here from their Blood and Valor record. This is Barbaric Horde. In the meantime and in between time, that's it. This has been a... When we talked about 1983, was it last? No, it had to have been earlier this year. Because 1983, yeah, was um, 40 years old. Yeah. Well, I did that same gag. 19, 19. Well, this has been a 19, 19, 1983. Sorry, everyone. Episode of Radioactive Metal. I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron. Signing off.